Good afternoon, this is Stephen Rawson, Health and Wellness Coordinator for the South King County Fire Training Consortium in Kent, Washington. Today I'm here with Dr. Sean Holloman at ProLiance. Uh, Dr. Holloman, thank you so much for um, coming today. We're talking on hip care and injury prevention. Can you tell us something about yourself and your journey to get to ProLiance? Absolutely, well, first of all, thanks for having me. Uh, I love the mission and I think, uh, you know, aside from professional athletes, which is like 0.001% of the population, there's not really many people that have the physical rigors of work that you guys have. Um, so uh, I'm happy to be here. Uh, my story is uh, I grew up in Wyoming, uh, ended up in San Diego for medical school, and then decided kind of early on that I wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon and ended up uh, matching up to the University of Washington, which is where I ended up doing my residency at Harborview Medical Center um, and the University of Washington system. Uh, I then uh, I kind of liked uh, sports medicine the most out of everything uh, because of working with athletes and, and really active people. And so I did a sports medicine fellowship in Southern California at the Southern California Orthopedic Institute. And there uh, we had some of the top guys in hip arthroscopy, and that's really where I got the first taste of hip preservation surgery, which is one of my specialties, along with uh, shoulder surgery and minimally invasive shoulder surgery now. Uh, uh, and as a part of that, I ended up going to Switzerland uh, for three months to work with some of the originators of the field in hip preservation surgery and learn from their techniques and then and then uh, was lucky enough to bring that back to ProLiance and, and join this excellent group that I'm in. Okay, well, thank you. That's, uh, that's great. That's a great story. Um, my first uh, uh, question for you is how can first responders prevent injuries to the hip? Uh, so I think a lot of this goes with staying in, in good condition and, and keeping the hip and the core uh, and especially the core strong and flexible. Um, there's certainly a significant amount of impact that you guys have to deal with. Um, a lot of unpredictable situations and, and the best way to prevent injury in, in unpredictable situations is to have the, the strength to back it up. And so I think maintaining kind of a rigorous uh, physical exercise regimen, focus on balance between the hip abductors and adductors, uh, the hamstrings and the quads and keeping the core strong as well as maintaining a reasonable amount of flexibility is the key to preventing injuries. And then I'm not, I think there's a lot of times and, and you obviously can correct me if I'm wrong, but you're, you're sent out and not quite sure of what you're about to meet. And so sometimes you, you have to just jump out and, and get right onto the job. And, and I think that, activity done cold is a common cause of at least musculotendinous injuries and and so if there's any way to get a quick you know warm-up in where whether it's just tensing up all the muscles before you get out there to get those viscoelastic properties opened up uh, would be significantly beneficial uh, how much of that as far as injuries go plays into hereditary i i was um as you know, Dr. Merritt, um, a couple months ago, gave me a complete hip replacement. I was in pain for three years before that. I had no idea it was um, arthritis. 
for me, I don't know my family history. I just thought it was, uh, as the physical therapist, thought it was something else. But how much does that play into just genetics? Uh, well, there's a fair amount. We know that we don't have the clues to all the answers as to what causes arthritis, but certainly genetics plays a role in, in the robustness, if you will, of the cartilage and how it responds to wear and tear. So that's part of it. Um, but another thing along with genetics and, and uh, development as you're growing up is, is that young males especially tend to develop uh, the potential for hip impingement and and that we know leads to earlier arthritis in a lot of people so hip impingement is just whenever you have an abnormal amount of bone either on the socket or the neck of the femur that causes your hip to impinge meaning bone against bone a little earlier than the average person um, and that ends up causing labral tears in the hip, it ends up causing separation of the labrum from the cartilage, which causes early cartilage wear in the hip. What are, what are some of the common hip injuries that you see in first responders? Uh, probably the most common is hamstring injuries. The proximal hamstring inserts right on the bone where you're sitting down um, and it gets injured whenever you have to bend over with load or your leg slips out from under you go into that splits position. Um, that's probably one of the more common ones, but we do see a lot of labral tears also. Again, uh, young males predisposed with hip impingement will, will get those labral tears. So um, if someone does get, I mean, science right now is changing so much with all the procedures I, I, I've been told that what would you say are some things people have gotten done prematurely without using physical therapy or some other type of care where they shouldn't have done it and then maybe some that they should do that are going to give them longevity in their career? Yeah, you mean in terms of like having surgery early uh, when they shouldn't have? Yep. How, how, do you, yeah. how, do you, how do you pick a, I guess two things, how do you pick a the best information out there. There's so much information out there. Uh, an example for me was I was going to do a posterior type of hip replacement. Luckily, I got a hold of your team and, and they talked about the anterior. A big difference yeah. for me. A lot quicker healing. Uh, a lot less invasive, as you know. So we've had people go on and get different procedures, and later you hear the nightmare. You know, you really shouldn't have done that yet. Um, what are yeah. some good resources or people we can talk to to get the best intel? So when I, I know several firefighters, some police officers that have had problems with their hips and, uh, and they've done different things, but I don't know if it was the best thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a little, that's a little challenging. I think one, not being afraid to get a second opinion if you need to, to talk to more than one surgeon, everyone has different tools in their box and will approach things slightly differently. And then comparing that to uh, some scientific articles you can read online um, and news articles, talking to other people that have had similar procedures and what their outcomes were like with a particular surgeon. I think all of those are, are helpful. In terms of when you choose to have physical therapy or surgery, I think some of these things like tears in the labrum and impingement, we try uh, to, get a, to get away with some physical therapy because we, we do have a, a fairly high success rate, even with a labral tear and getting a hip back to normal function. 
um, with some physical therapy. A lot of times it has to do with the position of the pelvis and, and getting some extra strength in the core or flexibility where you need it that limits that impingement, um, teaching ergonomics and position of the hip to avoid the impingement and damage to the labrum. Uh, all of those things can help prevent that injury or prevent needing surgery. And then if, if symptoms aren't improving, then surgery is a good option. Things that you're more likely to want to do surgery for is anything that disrupts the function of the hip. So a full thickness hamstring tear where it pulls all the way off the bone, you're unlikely at your level of activity to get enough strength back from compensatory muscles um, to avoid surgery in that situation. So that's something you would rather just have fixed with surgery right away than later. Uh, with, uh, with Dr. Howe, with Dr. Merritt and yourself, what keeps coming back is strengthening. I, and it was, the comment was made, uh, you don't hear a lot of people say you've overdeveloped your hamstrings. You've yeah. developed your posterior chain. Um, a lot of times it's that cause of the, you hear the, the quads are overdeveloped. Yeah. And, and that's, but I keep hearing this come up. We, in our fitness center, we're really focusing on doing the back side of the body and not just the front show muscles. Um, that's very important. And core. Core is uh, very important. Uh, it's in every workout we do. But, yeah. um, um, you know, so, and, and don't get me wrong, some injuries people are going to need intervention right away. I think in our business with a lot of type A'ers, we don't think it's going to happen to us. And, right. And that's, so, so uh, is there some partial repair you do instead of a full hip? Is there things you do um, that you would say have a lot of uh, longevity for them without somebody having to get a replacement of the hip? It, it really kind of just depends on how far along the arthritis spectrum you are. So, you know, there are a lot of non-operative modalities if you are in the earlier stages of arthritis that you can try and hopefully push down getting a total hip down the road. There's not really much in between um, having surgery and not having surgery as far as arthritis goes. If it's already developed, then we know that arthroscopic surgery, which I do a lot of, is not really a good idea. If you already have patches of cartilage loss in your socket or on the head of your femur bone, and you're showing signs of stress from that in the bone with some edema, then then just fixing the labrum won't give you a good long-term solution. Uh, that being said, if, if you're younger and you don't have much cartilage damage and you do have a labral tear and you do have this hip impingement, then we do know that we can slow down the rate of arthritis by doing these procedures to limit the amount of cartilage damage that you're having. So what, what's the prognosis for someone that does have, I'm thinking about seven people right now that have had hips. What's the prognosis long-term for someone like that? Well, I think that's pretty fantastic right now. The big concern a long time ago was that the, the liner and the hip joint would wear out and that you'd need a secondary surgery. And 
when that's the case, they were trying to push off hip replacements as long as possible. But then meanwhile, the people, you know, had to deal with the pain. Uh, but now kind of with newer technology, they have stems that when they put them into your femur, they grow into your femur, your femur grows into them. Uh, the, the liner of the hip replacements, a high density polyethylene now that is proving to have a longer lifespan than the previous liners that they use. So the new technology has advanced how long these hips will last in people. So I think even 15 to 20 years down the road, people will have good results with hip replacements. Okay. So uh, just to, to summarize on this, if someone wants to maintain uh, and, and I'm trying to say this carefully without genetics playing a factor, but if, if we're talking about staying flexible, learning how to have good, good, maintain good balance, uh, core strength, flexibility, hamstring strength, those things, and maybe work with a physical therapist ahead of time um, to make sure that we're strong there. Those are, are there any suggestions you have other than that to not be seeing you <laughs> for surgery? <laughs> Well, well, that takes away business. I know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, just kidding. Um, so, you know, one of the things I've been talking about more, especially with physical therapists, is having a good physical therapist evaluate kind of your natural range of motion. Because one of the things we get in a little bit of trouble with is assuming that everyone has the same range of motion capabilities. And I think we can all improve on our flexibility, and certainly we can all improve on our strength. But sometimes, especially with patients with hip impingement, you're not going to get more range of motion in certain positions because it's bone contacting bone and, and you can't stretch through that. And it's those positions that create the damage. So finding someone who's good at really assessing uh, musculoskeletal function, your, your, your range of motion before you come in contact with these mechanical blocks and, and teaching you how to work through motion in those realms, I think would go a long way to preventing some injuries. Would it be fair to say, I was in a class once where someone was doing a squat, which I would call a deep squat and very deep. And another person was doing a squat, which was still acceptable, but their body wouldn't go to the deep squat. And the instructor was still trying to get this person to go anatomically where this other person was going. Yeah. And, and I heard later, hey, you know, bone, bones and hips are designed differently. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, someone with really bad hip impingement or, um, you know, the way the, the neck of the femur comes off is different in everybody. And so you can have something where it, we call it retrotorsion of the femur or it comes off a little bit at more of a shallow angle than most people. If you try to get more internal rotation out of that person or try to get them to squat with their knees pointing straight forward, they're just simply not going to be able to do it, which is going to force some compensatory mechanism down the road. So understanding that and adjusting how the movements are done, I, I think would, would go a long way in, in preventing a lot of injuries, especially with weightlifting and training uh, to, to be able to do what you guys do. Uh, what about when someone uh, is told to, uh, we're going to start injections, we're going to start with your, your cortisone injections. Is that just a temporary uh, fix and it's taking away the cartilage or is that something you see in long-term help for certain people? Um, so 
kind of a combination of both. So really cortisone is only for the symptom of pain and inflammation, but it does a really good job. And sometimes you need that to be able to complete the physical therapy because what you would otherwise be doing, which would cause pain and limit your ability to finish the session would now not be an issue anymore. And so it's really helpful in that regard. There is some risk if you get several injections that it starts to soften the cartilage and lead to earlier arthritis. But I think most reasonable physicians and surgeons know not to just constantly dump a bunch of cortisone in the joint. Um, but it, but yeah, it doesn't it itself does not heal anything. It just makes it a little bit easier. And I've had a few people with impingement that I've injected and they probably just had a significant amount of inflammation in the joint because I just saw a lady back uh, in her young uh, 30s that I injected three years ago. She came to see me for a shoulder now, and she said, oh, I never had pain after that injection. So um, sometimes it's enough to just stop that cascade of inflammation and get you back to doing what you like to do. Yeah, I had someone mention that they had an injection. It was like two years later, they're still doing great. Mine was was purpose for knowing that I was going to have to have surgery. So I was trying to yeah. get through a certain point. Yeah. It's also, it's also pretty helpful in, in diagnosis So the hip, you know, has uh, several muscles that cross. It has several nerves. You can get referred pain from the back. And so sometimes if we're not sure exactly where your hip pain is coming from, uh, we use it as a diagnostic type of injection. So if we dump lidocaine and cortisone into the hip joint and you get immediate relief, then we know that that, pain generators coming from the hip whereas if nothing happens then we can start focusing our search elsewhere okay well thank you dr holman is there is there anything else you could offer for police and fire anything else advice wise um to help us out uh no i uh, I just want to say thanks for all that you do. Uh, I think we touched on some good stuff to prevent hip injuries. I think, you know, the bottom line for me is make sure you have a personal assessment of, of your motion and ergonomics and, and maintain that posterior chain like you were talking about and core strength, maintain some flexibility of the lower back and the hip flexors. Um, you know, keeping the weight down, that's obviously a big one. Um, avoiding nicotine and tobacco. Um, uh, maintaining relative uh, hydration, all those things contribute to maintaining good cartilage and tendon function. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate uh, you taking the time out of your day to talk with us. Um, and we hope to talk again. Thank you so Absolutely. much. Have a great day. Bye -bye. Thank you. Okay, take care.